These were people that were golden gifts to the North Koreans. Uh, by uh, blowing them up uh, as if you know these were people who saw the light and wanted to live under the mantle of Kim Il-sung's leadership, the U.S. government, I think, was very sensitive about this. They did not want publicity on these guys, and they still don't. I mean, I don't think now it's a conscious thing, but in the 60s, I think it was quite conscious to play down and hide these defections because they were, they were more embarrassing to the United States than you might think. We could hear the loudspeakers with Dreznov talking. It was absolutely appalling that he would do this and turn on the whole United States Army. Good morning, Nathan, Ninth Cab. Come over to North Korea, we'll give you everything. You know, we'll give you money, we'll give you women, you'll have everything. Every day or every week, we would hear him. He was telling us, you know, he had a lot of girls, you know, and they were treating him like royalty. And we knew it was lies. But the younger kids that just got out of basic and they were 18, really took it for heart. And we were afraid that some of them might actually say, hey, this is a good life, let's go over. Would you ever go to like North Korea for a vacation? No. Why not? Because that one guy that did got like beaten to death. Oh, Otto Warmbier, Warm which I, I was like 100% sure that was a fake last name because he's like in a frat too. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's Otto Warmbier, bro. Yeah, he died. Uh, yeah. Which, this is a bad cold open, but this is the Lines Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm your host, Joe, and join, joining me today is Rich. Hello, hello. Uh, for people who are unaware, Nick is convalescing from a exploded leg. Uh, he broke his femur and dislocated his ankle. Tell them how he did that, Joe. Uh, bad things. I, I broke his leg. <laughs> Joseph himself broke Nick's leg. I did. Um, it was a consensual thing. It's not like I assaulted him. I, I consensually <laughs> broke his leg. Uh, and yeah, this is normally the part where I would direct people to a GoFundMe or something. So Nick doesn't go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt, but we have, uh, wonderful socialized military health care and he will not pay a cent Woo! perks uh, of being in the army there are few but they are big uh it's something all americans should have uh <laughs> so uh and thankfully the lines led by donkeys podcast has a very uh gracious benefits program and uh so he <laughs> he, he has all of the vacation that he needs to heal he gets convalescent <laughs> leave. Uh, his medical care will be taken care of. Um, All I get is pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this time I gave you a copious amount of Old Crow because we're pouring one out for Nick. Um, In his glass. Sorry, Nick. Uh, it's it's only right. It's it's the people's glass, really. It belongs to the Legion. No, it's literally his. It was bought <laughs> as a gift for him from Iceland. <laughs> yeah, he keeps it in our house. Uh, so... The reason why I asked uh, you if you would ever go on a vacation to North Korea is because what if I told you that an American soldier once escaped to North Korea in the 1950s and became a movie star? A North Korean movie star? <laughs> yes. They allow movies? Yes, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about somebody today who has always been um, an interest to me. Uh, his name's Joseph James Dresnik. Um, the reason why he's always been very interesting to me is because he is most likely the only 
American man who uh, has lived through all three Kims um, of, of North Korea. And he died there. We'll get to that point. He never came home. Uh, so he, he should have been a very interesting uh, like, uh, story to tell, but he clearly was never allowed to tell it. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about him today. Um, and also the various people that he horribly victimized while he was in North Korea. I knew there was a catch. That's why our tagline has kind of become, wait, it gets worse. Uh, so Joseph Dresnik, who, uh, he also sometimes strangely goes by James or John, which is kind of weird because that means we have the same name. Also, My name is Joseph of, John Kasabian. <laughs> neither of those are nicknames for Joseph. James no. or John? No, it's just Joe. Joe, Joey. Jojo. Jojo. Uh, I got Josephine a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dresnik was born in November 24th, 1941 and raised in Richmond, Virginia. He was born to a uh, incredibly poor family who routinely got in knockdown drag out fights. Um, and they would do that in front of their children. His father in particular was, what else? A violent drunk who'd get blackout and then beat the shit out of the entire family. Ooh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the origin story for every private in the army ever. <laughs> uh, eventually, Dresnik's mother had enough and finally escaped the brutal relationship when Joseph was about 10 years old. Uh, so good for Mother Dresnik. Uh, That's enough time to do some damage, though. Yeah. Uh, not many abused spouses are able to escape their abusers and combine that with the culture of the 1950s in America. That's one hell of an accomplishment. That is the last nice thing I'll have to say about his mother. <laughs> uh, she grabbed young Joseph and began driving aimlessly in whichever direction uh, because the family was now essentially homeless. This meant that Joseph and his siblings were not attending school while their mother became a sex worker to afford the little comforts the family had. I'm not blaming her for that. Uh, that's not one of the mean things I have to say about her. She had to do what she had to do. Uh, I, I assume the, the, the small comforts they had were gas for their car and maybe a little bit of food. Unfortunately for Joseph and his siblings, his mother's new life eventually caught up with her and she began to uh, spend whatever night she was not working uh, in bars getting drunk and using drugs. Yeah, that's yeah, a rough life. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard life. I mean, imagine, I mean, being a sex worker in 2019 is pretty is a pretty brutal existence. I can't imagine what it was like in the 1950s. Like, how do you unwind from that? Uh, you don't. Drinking yeah. and bars yeah. and doing drugs. You just destroy yourself. Yeah. Uh, same same thing for podcasters, really. Uh, drug use and heavy alcohol. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't like that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> As we drink from our incredibly large glasses full of bourbon. Uh, so while she was doing that, she would leave her children <laughs> alone in her car the whole time. Uh, so they would just kind of sit Why there. Why are they in the car? Leave them at home. They have no home. The car is the home. Ooh. Uh, uh, at, at some point, the family uh, reached Atlanta, Georgia, where Joseph's father managed to finally track them down. Their father managed to get the courts to take custody away from uh, their mother, um, which would have been easy anyway, I think, in the 50s, even if she wasn't an alcoholic. Yeah, the courts hate sex workers. It's, I mean, even a single mom in the 50s is kind of like, woof. Yeah, that's true. If you, if you strip everything away and just leave her as a single mother, like that's not going good for her. Well, and you know, all women in general are just emotional and irrational and unstable. So definitely. Yeah. And crazy. Crazy. Just put one. the gun down. You don't need to do this. <laughs> um, it's not a gun. It's, it's a very it's, it's our <laughs> podcast machete. Um, 
Now, the problem was he won custody, but he didn't want the kids either. He just kind of wanted to stick it to his wife who escaped his, his grasp a couple of years earlier. Yeah, sounds about like a 1950s father. I, I assume this is where this all ended in a murder-suicide, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, instead, he hand them off to relatives to take care of. This split Dres- the Dresnik brothers up for the first time as Joseph went to go live with his aunt and uh, his brother went to go live with an uncle. Now, if you think this meant Joseph finally found a loving or caring home, you must be new to our show. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> It gets worse. Uh, yeah. Uh, his aunt made it very clear that she hated the idea of taking care of Joseph, wanted him gone as soon as she could find a way to get rid of him. Then why even take him in? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, maybe because, like, she didn't want him to be homeless or was hoping that her dad, his dad would eventually come back. Uh, I don't know. Joseph finally, uh, just sick of the adults and constantly fucking his life over, decided to run away. Uh, it was when he was... Uh, when he was caught and brought back home, he would just run away again. After a few times, his aunt dumped Joseph back at his father's house, saying that she simply couldn't do it anymore. Not that she was doing anything in the first place. <laughs> uh, his dad was, had already remarried. You see, Joseph's brother had returned home from uh, the uncle's house, and Joseph's dad lied to his new wife, saying that he only had one kid. What? <laughs> Fuck, that sucks. So, like, obviously, he can't have this other, like, by the way, I have this other kid. He can't have Joseph hanging around. Uh, so Joseph's dad loading up in the car and after telling him they're going to visit an out-of-town relative, drove a couple towns over and dumped him on the side of the street. Holy shit. Yeah. This effectively made young Joseph an orphan. Uh, this this is like the trick that you... And he's how old at this point? Uh, not even a teenager, I don't think. Uh, may, maybe like 13. Uh, but like that's that's a trick you use on a kid to get him to go to the dentist. Like, yeah, we're we're going to the video game store. Or is that just me? Definitely just you. Yeah, my my mom was like, we're going to go to the zoo. I'm like, hell yeah, because I fucking love the zoo. No, my mom just always told us we were going to the dentist, Joe. Uh, when So, funny story, when, uh, I, when I was really young, I had a cavity, and I had a bad experience with the dentist, because like, they didn't give me enough Novocaine or whatever, and I felt the entire fucking thing. No matter how much I yelled and screamed, they totally thought I was faking it, or they just didn't care when the two. So, like, after that, to get me to go to the dentist, you had to lie. Because and, I would literally run away from home to escape the dentist. And how long has it been since you've been to the dentist now, Joe? Uh, since the army made me go. And I have been out of the army since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this episode, but it has been far, far too long. Uh, now it's the f- sunk cost fallacy of like, I just don't want to know. <laughs> not good. No, it's not. It's not the way you're supposed to go about living your life. Yeah. Uh, so now that Joseph was an orphan, he was not sure what to do. So he uh, attempted to steal a bike, which immediately got him arrested. Uh, I'm Walking sucks. Why not steal a bike? Uh, instead of being sent to juvie, he was sent to live at the Overstreet Children's Home, which is a foster home. Uh, it's like a group foster home ran by a pastor that children nicknamed Big Papa. Uh, yeah. That's foreboding. It's actually not. Um, this is where I normally just make a notorious B.I.G. Yeah. joke, but like Big Papa was... The, the most stable father character that Dresnik would ever have. Oh, that's nice. Not counting the Kim family, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was here at the foster home of all places, which I don't know about you, uh, but I've never heard anything good about a foster home, except like, you're not dead. <laughs> it could be worse. I mean, they, they typically have shelter. Yeah. I mean, and you'll be fed. Uh, the, the, Maybe. Hopefully. At least there'll be kids smaller than you in which you could steal from. I don't know. Unless Unless you're the the smallest. smallest. (laughs) 
Um, so he finally had what could be considered a normal life for him. Now, the problem was his shitty parents kept him out of school for so long. He had very few opportunities for him. Uh, he was behind his peers in every subject in school uh, to the point that Joseph himself claims at this point he was illiterate. Um, though, here's a strange thing. Joseph Dresnick is actually a very bad source of information about Joseph Dresnick. Uh, he has been known to lie and make his life before he got the North Korea sound much worse for propaganda purposes. Um, uh, now, the reason why I don't buy the fact he was actually illiterate is because he was around 17 now and he enlisted in the U.S. Army. You can't enlist in the U.S. Army if you're illiterate. This isn't the 1800s or Project 100,000. But they were going to Vietnam. Not quite yet. Oh, not yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was now Vietnam. We ha- we had advisors in Vietnam, but this is before Project One Hundred Thousand kicked off. That would have allowed a illiterate version of Joseph Dresnick to enlist or draft one of the two. Maybe I mean he may have been like somewhat illiterate. Like oh, he was definitely behind. Right well, but yeah. like could still like sign his name and stuff. Maybe he was absolutely behind everybody else. I don't buy he was illiterate. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, the claim of illiteracy came up relatively recently uh, in a documentary I used for my main source in this article um, was that he was talking about how he likes to thank North Korea for giving him an education. And that may be true. I do buy that. But he also teaches. Well, he in his, the end of his life, he taught English uh, to North Koreans. I'm willing to bet he didn't start from zero. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um. But and again, he says before Project One Hundred Thousand. If it was like mid sixties, yeah, absolutely, they'd, he'd be fine. He'd be good to go. But he also would have gone to Vietnam instead of South Korea. So mm-hmm. uh, Joseph, like a lot of people in this situation, thought the army was a good way to travel and actually have something that resembled a career because he had not graduated from high school. He didn't even have a GED. So like there wasn't anything else out there for him. It turned out that Joseph hated the army. Uh, you see, after pretty much his entire life of not having anybody to tell him to do, uh, you know, his, his dad's pretty abusive. His mom was neglectful, but he never had anybody like telling him what to do. He didn't have parents. Yeah. So like for the first time in his life, his parents become drill sergeants and NCOs and officers and, officers and shit. And he fucking hates it. Um, he wasn't exactly down with getting yelled at and being ordered around. So he decided that the army sucks. And now instead he wanted a normal life with a wife and kids. So like any dumb teenager who enlists in the army, he took leave, went back to his hometown, and married the first person that'd say yes to him. Oh, yay. A tale as old as time. tale as old as time. Uh, after which, the army sent him to Western Germany, uh, which at the time was actually just West Germany, uh, where his wife could not follow him. See, at the time, West, West Germany was considered kind of a hardship duty station, kind of like Korea was a few years ago. You couldn't bring your family because the Soviets might be storming, storming over the Folda Gap at any time. Like a war was a vague possibility. So they didn't want technically a hardship toward very few people actually bring their families. It's just an option now. I know a lot. Oh, you talking about Korea? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like Germany. Fuck. Hell oh, no. yeah. yeah. No, sorry. To Germany's the shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, <laughs> Granted, I didn't have a wife to bring with me, but I know a lot of people who did. Um, anyone who knows anyone in the military knows this, how this story ends. She immediately cheats on him and sends him a letter saying that she found a new love and they were getting a divorce. Oh, no. Uh, now, That's why you got to marry the fat chick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Shit. Uh, despite Dresnick saying, uh, I'm going to move right past that because I feel like I don't have the agency to continue that joke. Uh, despite Dresnick saying that he was always faithful to his wife, soldiers that serve alongside of him said that he had one hell of a sex addic- addiction that he would feed through West German prostitutes. Which, good way to feed it. And I believe that because he always noted he was very, very broke. <laughs> so it's like, hmm, I wonder where your money was going. Uh, after burning through his entire salary in one marriage, he decided he would simply re-enlist in the army because he had nothing else going for him. Again, a tale as old as time. Just, yeah, just, just army stuff. This just sounds like your average private. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. That's why like, I like this story so much. <laughs> nothing about Joseph Dresnick is different until what happened to him. <laughs> Uh, he was sent to South Korea in 1962, um, where he was stationed along the demilitarized zone or DMZ along the border of North and South Korea. Now, there's a lot of people listening to this who have probably been stationed in Korea. Korea was a lot different then than Korea is now. Uh, the Korean War had been over for almost a decade, but firefights in the DMZ were almost a daily occurrence and numerous uh, American soldiers were killed and wounded on both sides. Like it was almost like Afghanistan is now just without all the airstrikes. Like you would hear like once a month that someone would be killed at the DMZ. And much like now, nobody really gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought people used to care about the wars. No, 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 <laughs> no. It depends. How close are we to an election cycle? <laughs> And and what sports ball game is on TV? <laughs> so Dresnick eventually fell into a deep depression and attempted to cure it with booze and hookers. I mean, how do you cure your depression? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. I know. Uh, they took down that uh, the sex worker listings on Craigslist, and ever since I've just been lost. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sell live animals anymore either. Craigslist is really no fucking fun anymore. Yeah. Bastards. Also, you know, once you get a couple serial killers coming out of you, it takes all the fun out of everything. Right? Like, what the fuck? I don't know what Twitter's waiting for. You have people threatening nuclear war through their fucking app all the time and nobody's <laughs> done shit. Uh, now, as you can imagine, this crippling substance abuse problem is not a good cure for mental illness. Uh, at one point, he forged his sergeant signature on a pass form so he could go see one of his favorite uh, girls out in town. Ooh, I've seen somebody get kicked out of the army for forging a. Uh, their sergeant's signature for some for Different not time. even not even a pass form. It was for a fucking maintenance, uh, like a you know the fifty nine eighty eight. You get kicked out. That's like the dumbest way to get kicked out. Yeah, like At legit. least do drugs. Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, they forged a sergeant's signature on a maintenance form. Mm. I mean, it is forging an official pa- uh, official paperwork. Yeah, I just don't think they liked her, but sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's. I think that's a felony forging government paperwork. Probably, but um, I mean, this is a pass form, so it's not super official. Maybe pass it is. Is, like I would say, a pass is way pa- worse than a maintenance document. I guess I know pass forms are way before my time, especially in another country. Yeah. Well, this is like back in the day where like you actually needed a pass form just to leave base. Yeah. So like, I don't even know what that world's like. <laughs> Um, now it came pretty clear to everybody that looked at this thing. It wasn't real, uh, because remember Dresnick was barely literate at best. So he probably couldn't forge paperwork could, could very well. Oh, it's like the dude who tried to forge his quarter slip, but wrote 10 days quarters or some stupid shit that the doctor would have never written. Spelled quarters with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, they always write it in hours and you can't get more than 72 hours. Yeah, anything F is like convalescent leave. Yeah, so yeah. 10 days of quarters from going to sit call for pink eye probably wouldn't fly. 
that's just from bare ass farting on each other's pillows. <laughs> uh, God, getting struck down with pink eye is such a fucking barracks way to get uh, quarters, too. I'm like 80% certain that these two guys gave it to each other just so they could go to sit call and get quarters. Bro, bro, did you just shit on my pillow? <laughs> <laughs> because they both went to sit call together for the same thing. <laughs> Oh, man, that's either like a, a really weird 69 gone wrong or people are shitting on each other's <laughs> pillows. And being as a man who lived in the barracks, I know which one it was. It was the 69. Uh, yeah. Have a lot of experience with that, do you? Uh, what happens in the barracks stays in the barracks. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't wouldn't uh, disregard either scenarios. So. Uh, they're both equally possible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, like I said, it was pretty easy for everybody to notice that Dresnik had forged his uh, sergeant signature. And when his commander confronted him about it, um, Dresnik showed his pass again, saying like, no, no, I have a pass. You, you can't stop me. And the commander figured out pretty fast that he was lying, uh, mostly because Dresnik spelled his sergeant's name wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get a pass on that if your last name is, say, Kasabian. Nobody's ever spelling your last name right. We wear fucking name tapes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did back then, too. Yeah, but if you're just going to pull out of your ass, like, you're going to freaking S or something. I mean, I guess. But, like, it was like, his name was, like, Carver. <laughs> <laughs> like, you spelled it with a K, you stupid fuck. I mean, if I'm looking at your name every single day, I'm probably going to know how to spell it. You'd hope so. Um, now, the commander didn't do anything at that very moment. Instead, he told Dresnik to be at his office at 3 p.m. Now, uh, the commander had a, his, his idea was to like kind of ambush him with uh, courts martial paperwork uh, so he couldn't, you know, run off or whatever. Well, Dresnik kind of had a feeling that the jig was up. And that was when, when everybody was at lunch around noon. He snuck out and in broad fucking daylight began walking towards North Korea. Now, uh, for people who are unaware, the DMZ is like one of the most heavily landmined areas in the fucking world. Like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of landmines line the DMZ. And they have been there for decades. Uh, he managed to walk across the most heavily militarized area in the world at the time, maybe except the Berlin Divide. Uh, now I'm talking then, not now. Now I'm pretty sure it's a DMZ or any square inch of Syria. Um, he simply walked across it, managing to not trigger one of these landmines or get fucking shot on sight. Because remember, gunfire all the time. And then he was taken uh, cap- captive at gunpoint by North Korean soldiers. Now Dresnik said at, it was around this time he assumed he was going to be shot. And immediately began to regret his decision. But, but instead, Dresnik was brought back to the soldiers' barracks where, they, where he willingly told them everything that they wanted to know to save his own life. Oh, so he wasn't a trained in Seer 100 or whatever that shitty... Oh, I'm pretty sure they didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, they didn't get any fucking useful information out of him because after all these years, Dresnik was only a private. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they chucked him in a room to deal with him later. Uh, to Dresnik's surprise, he's woken by a man speaking English, saying, quote, Hey, Dresnik, I'm Abshir, because there is actually another American soldier there. It turns out that Dresnik was not alone, uh, and he was not the only American soldier in North Korea. And he was, Which is weird, because you think he would have heard about someone walking across earlier, but he says he never did. So the other guy walked off, too? Yeah. Yeah, the army fucking sucks, man. It has to really suck. To, now... I'm showing my ass here because I continually make jokes about North Korea. At the time, North Korea was much better off than South Korea. Huh. Uh, 
South Korea is pretty well devastated by the war, and so is North Korea. But the main difference being uh, the Soviet Union and China just pretty much poured endless amounts of money and food into North Korea and uh, just pretty much made it a puppet regime for the most part. I mean, the Soviet Union chose Kim Il-sung to lead North Korea. He didn't. He wasn't actually some wonderful revolutionary leader like a lot of people say he was. I heard that he invented McDonald's. No, that was Kim Jong. Uh, no, that was uh, Kim Il Sung inventing the hamburger. And that hamburger. Have, that's yeah, what I meant. Yeah, and that may have actually been a son. I don't remember which one. Oh shit. Um, but yeah, they were not self-sustaining. Even though that's like their whole thing, the Juche ideology of self-sustainment. But uh, they were built up while we were doing much of the same thing in South Korea. We also had the Vietnam War going on. So we were a lot more distracted in where our money was going. And, and South Korea had their own dictator um, who was attempting to build brutal capitalism in its place. They're like, they could not have been more alike and more different at the same time in North and <laughs> South Korea. Um, but Larry Allen Abshear was a soldier who had got caught smoking weed on the DMZ. Uh, apparently, there's a ton of free growing weed on the DMZ, and he just nice. smoked some of it, uh, which I'm shocked it doesn't happen in Afghanistan more. Um, and afraid of facing repercussions after he was caught, he simply ran across the DMC. <laughs> Imagine how terrifying that is when you're high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah, that's how he didn't step on a landmine. It's like a, it's like a drunk driver always yeah. surviving a car accident. Maybe it's like the opposite of terrifying. Maybe he like felt free. Yeah, and he was so loose on his feet, he'd even trigger landmines. <laughs> what up, little bomb bro? <laughs> Uh, they would actually end up being uh, joined by two other American soldiers, Jerry Wayne Parrish and another man who saw North Korean propaganda promising huge amounts of money to defect with as many weapons as they could carry. Charles Robert Jenkins, who ran across the border with his rifle. Just one? Yeah. Well, Just as M14. Good fucking job, He's, dude. Yeah. And also now your money's worthless because you're in North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this group of Americans, the North Koreans, had a wonderful piece of propaganda. They would use these men to show how terrible South Korea and America must have been if these men were willing to risk death in order to escape to North Korea. Though it may be said during this time that North Korea really was much better off than South Korea, like I just explained. Um, and for a lot of these guys, North Korea sounded a lot better than the options they had at home. Uh, 60s America was pretty pretty fucked up place. Though it should be noted, all these dudes were white, so it could be worse. <laughs> you know, if like... A whole bunch of black soldiers were just like, fuck this shit and ran to North Korea because like, I'm either going to go to Vietnam or I'm going to go to Jim Crow America. Like, I get it. <laughs> it's probably better. <laughs> of the American defectors, Joseph Dresnek showed himself to be the most willing to work with the North Koreans. Uh, Dresnek taught the North Koreans about America's dark past regarding slavery and the lack of civil rights at the time, as well uh, as how you could be a very, very hard worker and still end up homeless. Uh, thank God those two things are taken care of, right? That doesn't that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> I think that's one that one of my favorite things that always comes up is like, you know, because North Korea is a fucking goddamn hellscape, and it's like the closest thing to like a, a cartoonish uh, dystopian government you could possibly imagine. But like, even then, when they hit back on their propaganda, you have to be like, ooh, they got us. <laughs> <laughs> If you look deeply at America's government, it's pretty cartoonish. Oh, yeah. And not to mention, like, making or like using America's history as propaganda against America is like the most low hang, hanging fruit on earth. <laughs> like, we're just a, a nation whose entire foundation is built on like bloodshed and the slavery of everything around us. 
And now when we've ran, when we legally can't own slaves anymore, now we just have debt. Yeah, debt and also legal slaves. Oh, yeah, AKA yeah. A, the prison industrial complex. Oh, don't worry. They got around that pesky little constitutional amendment by paying them 50 cents an hour. Actually, I think that is too high. I think it's like 25 cents. I, I think it just depends on where they are, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I was uh, fighting wildfires in Oregon, they, uh, the prisoners, I think the inmates got paid like a dollar a day or something stupid like that. Yeah. Maybe it was more, I don't remember, but I gave them cigarettes. Yeah, for getting What's job up, skills California? that they'll literally never be able to use because they're felons. Yeah, yeah. You can't be a wildland firefighter if you're a felon. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the prison guards from California kept yelling at us for giving them food and cigarettes. So uh, eat my dick, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I did anyway. Um, so another thing that Joseph did and... Um, the other Americans say that he was absolutely not compelled to do it. He simply said he would was uh, broadcast propaganda in English across the DMZ targeted towards other American soldiers to defect um, and telling them they would be treated like kings. Now, as you can imagine, this is not true. Was he being treated like a king? Absolutely not. The four men were deeply distrusted by the North Koreans. They were not allowed to go anywhere unsupervised. The North Korean people... After being told for years that Americans were bloodthirsty devils, didn't want to go anywhere fucking near these guys. Because, like, remember, this is the people that serve that are alive in North Korea at this point vividly remember the Korean War. So they're like, fuck those guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To make matters worse, the Americans are not allowed to freely interact with anybody nor marry a North Korean woman. Soon it became very clear none of them would be allowed to have anything resembling a normal life. So the four men began to plan any escape. Because uh, they remember they, they wanted to get away from the army because the army sucks. They're like, oh, fuck this. The army's a prison. They're like, oh, God, we're in another prison. We can't do anything. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Who would have thought escaping North Korea was a bad idea, guys? <laughs> In 1966, the men all ran into the Soviet embassy in Pyongyang and asked them for help. See, they picked the Soviets uh, because, and this is what Joseph Dresnik and Larry Abshear both said, because they were white and they would help them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. The Soviets, of course, immediately turned the men back over to the North Koreans. <laughs> like, yep, out you go. Yeet. Now, you're probably thinking this is they all get the shit tortured out of them, right? Like, But you look like me. <laughs> you can't hate me. I'm white. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's some shit that only white guys would do. Like, please help me. Look, we're the same. A funny story about that. Uh, I used to help instruct the basic officer armor leadership course and in, uh, in Fort Knox, Kentucky, before they moved it all. And uh, we had uh, foreign lieutenants come in for the tank course and stuff. And one of them was from Turkey. And uh, he sat down in my Humvee and he wanted me to get him some supplies that they were not allowed to have, which is like nicotine and stuff like that. Uh, because, quote, you look like me. I'm Armenian. I don't really get along great with a lot of guys in the Turkish army because uh, it's kind of like hyper uh, nationalist, kind of like ours. And they're, they subscribe to the, the genocide never happened narrative. So I was like, I'm Armenian. And then he quickly get out of my Humvee. <laughs> uh, so instead of getting this shit tortured out of them, which is what I assumed would happen. Like, oh, man, this is where they all get worked over with clubs and shit. That didn't happen. Uh, the North Koreans actually felt guilty that they have driven their American guests away. 
<laughs> like, aww. You don't like me? Just imagine Kimmel Sung sitting around like, I thought we were friends. What about all the good times we had doing everything that I wanted to do? We played basketball. <laughs> and Larry, I let you borrow my DVDs. <laughs> Uh, it was then that the North Koreans thought it'd be a good idea to teach the, the men Korean and to learn the ways of Korean culture so they could assimilate. Kind of. It's like halfway assimilation. Uh, now, they would be, they'd be forced to live separately from North Koreans, but the government now made sure they were supplied with anything they wanted to keep them happy, and they'd be allowed into the cities with supervision, of course. Can't have those goddamn pale faces wandering around Pyongyang. Can they date? Kind of. What do you mean, kind of? North Koreans were still off limits. So uh, who can they date? E- even at, even though North Korea likes to act like super workers of the world unite communist type, they're actually like hyper racists, <laughs> and they didn't. They absolutely did not want North Korean women going anywhere near the American men. That doesn't surprise me at all. Were there like Soviets there and stuff? Kind of. Mostly Soviet men. There was like uh, Soviet embassy workers, uh, military advisors, stuff like that. Uh, This effectively made their everyday life into something akin to a permanent vacation. They want booze? They're going to get booze. They want cigarettes? They'll get cigarettes. You want to go to some beachside resort? Cool. Take the fucking government minder with you. Like, they were on permanent vacation. They didn't have fucking jobs. They didn't have any worries. Well, shit, I'm in. Right. Yeah, like that. that's what, uh, that's how you got these Guys to be on your side. Uh, they never had to work or worry about a fucking thing. Everything was given to them, and they even had assigned drivers that would bring them anywhere they wanted to go inside Pyongyang. Because they couldn't, they didn't want them like looking outside the capital. It's kind of like if you go to North Korea today, even though American citizens are now barred from North Korea. But question: Yeah, are the beaches in Pyongyang warm? I don't think there's any beaches in Pyongyang. It's an inland city. It's near the DMZ. Um, but they do have like seaside resorts and shit uh, in other parts of North Korea. They even nowadays they even actually have like a ski resort. So like, is it warm enough to swim? Unlike Washington, Korea is pretty goddamn hot. Yeah. All right, all right, I'm down. Um, according to Dresnik, the men set around drinking, chain smoking, and gambling their days away. In comparison to how Dresnik was treated by the army after fucking up, uh, the North Koreans only engendered more trust and confidence into him. The other guys really didn't buy in. Uh, the same cannot be said for Jenkins. Jenkins felt he was like a, in a prison and attempted to take charge of the group of Americans since he technically outranked them all. He was a sergeant. I don't think that matters here, dude. Right. Uh, like any other sergeant, uh, nobody could break it to him. Nobody gave a fuck. Um, <laughs> Are you sure he wasn't a corporal? That sounds very corporally to me. He's not, you know, he was a uh, E5. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And everybody else, I believe, was a private. <laughs> Uh, Jenkins attempted to get them in to start organizing another escape. Guys, you have to listen to me. I'm a sergeant. Fuck you. You're not the dear leader. You're not my dad. Um, now, Dresnik was far and away from the U.S. Army and all the pains of his home life. The last thing he wanted was to let Jenkins boss him around. Not that he had a new daddy in Kim Il-sung. He didn't have to listen to no fucking sergeant in the army. <laughs> So he beat the shit out of him. Oh. <laughs> Dresnik was far and away much larger than everybody else around him. <laughs> like, Dresnik was about my size. Ooh. Yeah, he's like about 6'3", mid-200 pounds. He's a big boy. And even bigger towards the end of his life. Because remember, he's on a permanent vacation for about 50 years. <laughs> um, the schism formed between the group of men, with the three of them on one side, on Jenkins' side, and Dresnik on the other. 
1978, the men were fluent in Korean and had been given Korean citizenship. Which brings us to Kim Jong-il. Kim had a bit of an obsession with with filmmaking. Uh, He would famously go on to kidnap a Japanese director and force him to make a Korean Godzilla knockoff called Polgasari, which led to a high-speed getaway, I believe, in Thailand. It's a really weird story. Uh, but he also wrote like books on filmmaking, one of which is actually considered pretty goddamn good for film aficionados. Kim Jong Il wrote a book. Yeah. Oh. He's he's Kim too. If you're keeping track now, mm. Kim Il Sung is uh, the OG Kim. Uh, we're now on his son Kim Jong Il, who is Kim Jong Un's dad, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, along with the other Kim who got murdered via t- a nerve agent in the airport by his brother. Ordered by his brother, carried out by sex workers. <laughs> oh, I didn't know the sex worker thing. Now, the th- it's largely accepted that they were sex workers con- uh, acting as models. They like they were like hired. Um, if you believe their story, which I actually do, uh, that they were told that they were on a reality TV show as models, and they had to run around, and the, it was a practical joke that they were to rub this cloth covered in like a bad smelling substance on somebody's face and laugh at him. Turns out it's VX nerve agent. And uh, his brother was killed in like 10 minutes all on camera. That's horrifying. Yeah. Although they, the women got away with it. Uh, they realized like, oh yeah, you're, you're okay. <sighs> they say no, one of them recently got released. I'm not sure exactly what's happening with the case. Um, so the younger Kim wanted to get his start in filmmaking by writing and directing a 20-part series called Unsung Heroes. Uh, and when you're the dictator's son, you get to direct your 20-part series. <laughs> Nobody's like, maybe you need to cut a season off that or anything like that. Nobody wants to watch a 20-part series. You do it when it's mandatory <laughs> and the only thing on TV. Uh, but to do that, they need some American villains. <laughs> he just so happened to have four of them that he could make do whatever he wanted. Now, it's without question that Dresnek volunteered to be in the series. Uh, but the other men said they were threatened and beaten by Dresnek until they agreed to join in. <laughs> Dresnek had kind of turned into the government's like attack dog to get the other Americans to listen to them. And they just get their asses beat the shit all the time. Now, in Jenkins' book, Telling the Truth, he claims that Dresnek beat him at least 30 times and even helped the North Koreans cut off U.S. Army-related tattoos without an anesthetic. Ooh. Yeah. Now, Dresnik refuses to admit he ever beat anybody, but he totally cops the cutting off of tattoos. But says That's it, worse. But says it was voluntary. What? Yeah. He said Who that, voluntarily gets a tattoo cut off? I don't know. Nobody does. Maybe Dresnik, because he was all about hip, some fucking North Korea at this point. But like, nobody's like, yes, daddy, cut off my tattoo. Still, that's a no for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard no, man. <sighs> I got a lot of tattoos. <laughs> Uh, Kim Jong-il explained to the Korean people that for these men to play villains, they must have an overwhelming amount of patriotism to North Korea. Uh, and because the series was created by their dictator's son, the series became incredibly popular, almost instantly making the Americans who starred in it superstars. The main villain of the movie was Dresnik, became something of a national hero. Whenever they went out in public, he would be called Arthur, which was his character's name in the series, and people would give him drinks and food wherever he went. It was around this time Dresnik met and married a Romanian woman. Now, uh, he happened to go into the one restaurant he always goes into uh, because it was the one restaurant he was allowed to go into. And that's when he saw Donna Bambea, who was the first Western woman he had seen since he'd been in North Korea. So how did Dresnik manage to find the only white woman in all of North Korea and marry her? She was planted, wasn't she? Yes. <gasps> I love it. 
Uh, well, it's because North Korea kidnapped her from an art school in Italy for the express purpose of marrying Joseph Dresnik. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, North Korea claims that she worked for the Romanian embassy, which is immediately discounted by Romania and her entire family. <laughs> this would not be the only kidnapped woman that one of the Americans would marry. Jenkins married a kidnapped Japanese woman named Hitoni Soga, who had been taking off a Japanese beach by North Korean commandos. Did they, like, order them or something? Like, uh, I'd, like a, I'd like a Japanese one, please. Now, the men themselves claim that they never had any part in this, and I do believe that. Um because uh, Jenkins and Soga really did fall in love. Like, they absolutely loved one another. So sweet. They bonded based on their kidnapping. Why is that Why is that not like a romantic movie? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really weird saga in general, the North Koreans kidnapping the Japanese. Like, they did it all the time. Like, I, they kidnapped dozens of Japanese women off the beach uh, for sexual slavery, but also because they, cool. they use them as cultural instructors to teach North Korean commandos how to be Japanese. Now, if you're thinking that's a really stupid idea, you would be correct. It never worked. <laughs> and a lot of these people died in North Korea. And there was a, another story offshoot there where I believe it was uh, Shinzo Abe, who's the current prime minister of Japan and was the prime minister back then. I could be wrong. Uh, ordered that, like demanded that North Korea send back the remains. And North Korea was like, yeah, okay. And they sent back like one box full of random bones. They weren't even human. <laughs> that's just rude. Yeah, like they didn't think Japan was going to fucking test them or, or like have a doctor glance like, that's a dog. <sighs> Some of them were human bones. They weren't Japanese. Go ahead and roll that around in your head. Nobody's really sure where the fuck they came from. Jesus. Um, like I said, North Korea is just about the closest thing to a actual supervillain in the, in, in the fucking world. Um now, Larry Abshire married a kidnapped Thai woman named Anachoa Panjoy before Abshire dropped dead of a heart attack in 1983. Uh, now, nobody's really sure where Panjoy came from. Uh, her family said that she was um, uh, in some beauty school in, I think, in Cambodia. And poof, gone one day, reappears in North Korea. Panjoy's still there uh, and swears up and down she wasn't kidnapped. But her entire family's like, it's really weird that she vanished without a trace for 40 years. She's probably kidnapped. That is weird. Uh, now, Dresnik ended up having two kids with Bombay named James and Ted before she died of lung James and Ted? You live in North Korea and you're going to name your kids fucking James and Ted? <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. Should have gone with Braxton and, and, ja and what's another one? Jax. <laughs> <laughs> with fucking two Ys. Fucking Kyle. Ugh. Now, uh, Bombea eventually died of lung cancer. He remarried. You know where he found his next wife? In the exact same <laughs> restaurant. Oh, they brought me a new one. <laughs> yeah. And then they had another uh, son named Tony. Wait, how did how did the first wife die again? Lung cancer. Ooh, yeah. that's sad. But it seems like it was really so common. So James, Ted, and Tony. Yeah. They all, had, they all also go by Korean names um, because they're also very well known in Korea. See, I feel like that would be like, it's like naming your kid something off the wall in America, like fucking simplicity or something. Like if you're in Korea, name simplicity. them something. <laughs> I actually knew one. <laughs> oh my God, no. You know someone named simplicity. They know what simple means, right? It was a, it was a teenage pregnancy when I was in high school and she named her daughter simplicity. Mm. But yeah, I said the same thing. Like you were calling your child simple. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> really, really charting a path for that one. Um, but anyways, like if you're in North Korea, like at least name them something that they'll like somewhat fit in. Yeah, like Oon. 
uh, yeah. Well, they all, like I said, they go by Korean names. I didn't really write them down, but yeah, they're they are they're on TV and they're movie stars too. Um, nice. Dresnek eventually. Yeah, uh, Dresnek eventually ended up being uh, something of a normal citizen with a normal job, teaching English at the college in Pyongyang. He also ended up translating works by the Kim family as well as translating stolen intelligence from the Americans. Yeah, it seems a far stretch to go from completely illiterate to yeah. that kind of career. Trajectory. Incredibly fluent in two languages to do like very, very on point yeah. translations. Yeah, he is the like epitome of failing upwards, though. Yeah, and I would argue he's a huge fucking asshole too, and I'll tell you why. The nineties rolled around. North Korea lost its Soviet support, and the USSR collapsed. Uh, a biblical level drought hit the country, and North Korea's crops failed. Now. Uh, North Korea is not a great agrarian uh, society. They tr- they've tried to change that over the years, but they've had just numerous crop failures all the time, which is why this, uh, what the Soviet Union ended up having to support them so heavily. They do have a ton of minerals, but they don't sell them because that would kind of go against their ideology. Uh, and then most of them just go to China. But all those things combined end up with a horrible famine that would reduce people to cannibalism. Around 3 million people would die in the so-called arduous march. Probably wondering why I'm bringing that up. That's really depressing. We've been making fun of Joseph Dresnik now for a while. Well, like all North Korea's elites, Joseph Dresnik and Jenkins, along with their families, remained unaffected by the famine. While people were forced to boil and eat their clothing or grass as the state central food management system fell apart and people would no longer get their rice rations, Joseph Dresnik ate so much he became obese. Oh, that's a slap in the face. Yeah. Dresnik has not spoken much on the famine, as you could imagine. Fucking obese Americans, even in other countries where there's famine and shit? Yeah. Americans just can't get their shit together. I mean, he looks a lot like Kim Jong-un does. Fat. Uh, Because when you are like a royalty in a fiefdom, you get to do whatever the fuck you want. I just didn't know that white privilege extended that far. It wasn't because he's white, it's because he's American. I, th- I think Joseph Dresnik would have been treated just as good if he had been black or Hispanic or anything, just because him being a American is all- the only thing that mattered. Um, now, in the documentary uh, called Crossing the Line, he blames it on the United States. It, which is not true. Um, I, Blames what? Him walking away or? The famine. The famine. This might be the only time in the history of our show I've ever defended the United States foreign policy. <laughs> but uh, the crop failure was a routine thing that happened in North Korea that was made much worse by the Soviet Union falling apart and no longer giving them literally all the rice they'd ever need for free. Um, and when North Korea finally broke down and asked for international aid. South Korea and the United States were one of the two, uh, the top two people who gave food to them. So, like, this is one of the few things that is not America's fault. Go us. But Joseph Dresnik is a fucking piece of shit. While millions of people were reduced to killing and eating their own children or throwing them off cliffs to to save them the, the torture of starving to death, him and his kids ate like fucking champions in Pyongyang and he does not. And he, and in the documentary, which is really what pissed me off. Cause that's kind of on his side. Like I get, he had a fucking shitty life. So who cares if he goes to North Korea? He was in tears saying that he thanked the dear leader for, uh, for, uh, keeping his rations and so many Koreans died so he could live. 
you know fuck you buddy we were ha- <laughs> they were having fun there for a little while talking about some lighthearted stuff you know americans going to other countries and being movie stars you just had to bring it back down it gets worse. To. It's what I do. This is why I, this, <sighs> I exist to make you sad. <laughs> I, I felt like there, there's enough people that kind of were on Joseph Dresden's side, in, including me, because uh, I've actually watched the documentary before and I recommend it. It's still good. Um, and I was like, what's it called again? Crossing the line. Oh. Uh, I believe it was by uh, BBC, hmm. but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I get it. Why not? He's had a good life in North Korea. But then I then like I put two and two together. I'm like, wait, what about the fucking famine? Because like the famine that happened in North Korea is legendarily bad. And it's so bad that people still don't know the full extent of it because North Korea ain't talking. It was so bad that the malnutrition rate for North Korea uh, and North Korean citizens continues to this day to the point that like they lost almost an entire foot in their normal growth span. Jesus. Yeah. Um so, yeah, fuck Joseph Chesnick. Um, now, in 1998, Jerry Wayne Parrish died of kidney failure, leaving Jenkins as Dres- and Dresnick as the last one standing. That did not mean the two of them still not hate each other, though. Even through all these years, Jenkins wanted to go home. In 2002, Kim Jong-il allowed some Japanese women who had been kidnapped to visit Japan as long as they promised to return to North Korea. <laughs> yeah, like, pinky promise, you're not going to leave me. This included Jenkins' wife, Hitomi Soga. Now, as you can imagine, the picky promise to go back into captivity did not work, and the women all stayed in Japan. What? Yeah, what? Um, <laughs> this eventually led to the Japanese government petitioning for Jenkins to be allowed to join his wife in Japan, and he did in 2004, once again, under the picky promise that he would return. He did not. <laughs> they just don't learn their lesson. At this point, Kim Jong uh, Kim Jong Il is like, "Why are all my friends leaving me? <laughs> I have known you for years." <laughs> They're like the Taylor Swifts of North Korea. Like they just want yeah. people to love them. That's all. That's all the nukes were. <laughs> just trying to show his friends, like, see, you can. Go, I'm big and powerful. You can come back to me. Yes, I'm sorry, Taylor Swift. I love you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift is just emo for women. I love her. <laughs> now, there's uh, a pretty, um, the most petty part of this entire story. Japan formally requested the, uh, the United States to pardon Jenkins. As you remember, he had deserted, and that is a crime. He had also stolen a, a gun. Oh, God. <laughs> Not the fucking gun. <laughs> yeah. President George W. Bush refused. I actually, oh, I actually remember this in the news when I was in high school. I was like, they're actually going to imprison that old fuck? They did. <gasps> So Jenkins decided to turn himself in. On September 11th, 2004, he walked over to Camp Zama outside of Tokyo and got a haircut that would conform to military regulations oh and reported to the military police. Trying too hard, man. Yeah. He pled guilty to desertion and aiding the enemy and was sentenced to 30 days in jail. Loss of all pay and benefits and was reduced to the rank of private. <laughs> He's like, what? Like, how much? You know what would have been really fucking good if he showed up? like, where's my back pay, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Is he like a fucking 80-year-old private? 77. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He was, uh, he was about, um, he was under 70 years old. He's late 60s. Okay. Late 60s. Um, he got out, out of jail. After his, he got out of jail like two days early for good behavior. <laughs> He's used to it, so fuck it, right? He's like, bro, I was in North Korea for fifty fucking years. You think this sucks? Uh, and afterwards, he was given residency and later citizenship in Japan, working as a uh, stores greeter. He's like a Walmart greeter. 
<laughs> before finally dying in 2017 at the age of 77. Uh, as for Dresnik, he remained in North Korea and continued to be known everywhere he went as Arthur. His sons grew up, went to North Korean schools, and eventually joined the North Korean army as officers, where they're both now both captains. How old, how old are his sons now? Uh, they're in their 30s, All I think. All three of them are yeah. officers in the Korean army? I don't think they had a choice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think... At least two of them are. I think the third one is he's just never on camera. Huh. Um, they were also turned into propaganda actors as well. As Dresnik was now too old, his two sons took over the family business and began playing American villains in North Korean films. Are they at least good looking? No, they look like Joseph Dresnik, who's an ugly, ugly man. Like, how ugly are we talking here? He's got a weird shaped face. <laughs> like, I don't, he's got a real pointy chin. He kind of looks like Wario without the mustache. Like Ted Mosby weird shaped? No. Uh, <laughs> he, looks, he looks like Wario without the mustache. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean to besmirch Wario's honor. Uh, so in, in the documentary Crossing the Line, it shows Dresnik in the last stages of his life. He sounds like he has a pack a day or more smoking habit and has acquired some freakish looking metal teeth like a fucking James Bond character. Metal? Yeah, his teeth must have fallen out and they repl- th- either that, they look goddamn chrome. Um, in between trash talking Jenkins whenever he got the chance, it follows uh, Dresnik as he wanders through the streets drinking and smoking with old Korean people and fishing. That is his life. It honestly looks pretty fucking depressing. Like, it's pretty clear that nobody really wants to hang out with him. Like, he has no friends he ever talks about. He just, he's talking to strange people on the streets. And as far as I can tell, he still isn't allowed anywhere unaccompanied. Is he still married? No, his second wife died. Oh, man. She just kind of vanishes. Nobody really ever says what happened. Outlived everyone. Yeah. And because he treats himself so badly, he lived longer than everybody else. Of course. You you smoke a pack a day and drink a ton. You'll live until you're fucking 100. Yeah. I uh, know he's really sure when he died, but we'll talk about that too. Um, like his his existence looks pretty goddamn depressing. Like he just wanders around destroying himself, and talks about how he once got a ticket for illegal fishing. Sounds like an old war vet. He sounds like every seventy year old man I've ever met in the United States, minus the metal teeth. Um, the show also shows him going to the hospital, which is uh, strangely barren uh, because it is North Korea, and uh, have doctors begged for him to stop drinking himself to death all while he's hacking his goddamn lungs out and being treated for heart disease. Lovely. In 2017, Dresnik's two sons appeared on North Korean state television in full military uniform and announced the death of their father, saying, quote, Our father was in the arms of the Republic and received only the love and care of the party until his passing at the age of 74, and that he, quote, died pledging his loyalty to the great leader Kim Jong-un. So the same year as Jenkins? <laughs> yep. Oh shit! Yep. It was like it was like an anti love bond. Yeah, uh, I don't know the exact. So North Korea never released exactly when he died, so we don't know if he actually died after or before Jenkins. I hope before. <laughs> I hope Jenkins won that. I mean, Jenkins had a couple years on him because he was a little bit older anyway. Yeah, but like going into the story, everybody likes to tr- treat Dresnik as like with like kid gloves. I think he's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, he sounds like a piece of shit. Like, he was made fat and happy on the suffering of millions of North Koreans that, that didn't even have anything that he had. And and he, I mean, I understand why in, the, in Crossing the Line, he, uh, he is fully North Korean propaganda. Because he has to be. 
He's never going to have an honest opinion about North Korea. He well, can't. Yeah, and if you're given if if you're given a lavish life for being something right. and and everything that you could ever want, and your kids are taken care of and everything, right. yeah, you're gonna. This is like if you asked you know Assad's kids how Syria is. Oh, it's fucking great. <laughs> like, yeah, it's more than he ever had growing up as a kid or in the army. It yeah, it asking any dictator's inner circle how their country is is you're going to have a different world. It's like asking anyone with over a million dollars in America, how they think America's doing. It's great. Yeah. Like they, they're completely even, blind to everything. Uh, over a million dollars is optimistic, Joe. Um, ask anyone who has a stable, somewhat comfortable life in America. And they think that America is the greatest country on earth and there's nothing wrong with it. I would say we're mostly stable, but we don't, we're, we're outside the, the purview of most people, I think. Yeah, I just I talk to a lot of a lot of people who because their life is okay and because their family is doing uh, all yeah. right, yeah, they're not those. they're not rich. They're not you know they still pay out the nose for fucking medical costs and right. all of that stuff. They're like one hospital trip away from losing their house, right? But because they're doing okay right now, there's obviously nothing wrong with this country. They can't see anything, right? And that's like and. and this the small amount of give that Dresnek had on that is like they died so we could have this. Yeah. Like, well, technically you're not wrong because when three million people died, it's a whole lot less mouths to feed. You fucking asshole. It's. I mean, it's a really similar mentality. Like people, people here are impoverished because they just don't work hard enough, and we work hard, and that's why we have what we have. Like he wasn't working hard, but right. like people, like the people are suffering for a purpose. Right, and and he explained away that suffering as well. Well, we're suffering, so we can. Uh, they're suffering, so we can have all this, and it's not their. It's not any of our faults. Like uh, it's certainly not the dear leader's fault. It's weird. It's, uh, it's a weird and you know it's a weird amount of mental gymnastics. I think he actually had to convince himself because I don't know how the fuck you sleep at night, living that well while so many people are dying. Um, and just outside because like the way Pyongyang works for the most part is you don't get to live there unless you are the top of the top of society. So the people in the city were not suffering at all. So, and since he never leaves the city, I don't know if he's allowed to. So a really, a really healthy dose of ignorance. And, oh yeah. uh, He's like your friend who's never left San Antonio. I know you have one. I have a few. <laughs> They're like, yeah. no, this is great. This is fine. <laughs> it's like the, the Tom Green character from Road Trip. He, he is like... Uh, Austin. <laughs> he, he absolutely cannot leave Ithaca, New York. Yeah. That's a crippling condition. You should get that looked at. Yeah, yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's our episode. Rich, thank you for joining. Oh, thanks for me. having me. Uh, everybody do a shot of Old Crow for Nick as he heals. And um, hope that he heals well. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 too active of a boy to get slowed down by a leg full of metal. Yeah, we miss you, Nick. We hope you're back soon. Um, so like I said, none of your money will go towards supporting his health care costs. <laughs> but if you do think what we do is worth a dollar, you can give it to us on Patreon, uh, which we use to buy research material and and hosting, and we pay our wonderful producer Nate. Um, also, I will use that money to buy him video games to play while he is in bed. So there you go. And hopefully a desk. No, nope. I know we keep talking about this, but seriously, it's not a we. It's a you. We're fine with the okay. desk. I know I keep talking about this, but my arm is sticking to the decayed beer that's left that's on this a, table. That's a you problem. Is it? Uh, so if you like some shirts, we have those too. You can buy them on Teespring. Uh, we'll have a couple more up there. 
Uh, we have our Jalalabad local dick suckers union t-shirt, union strong, y'all. Uh, we have a couple more that were designed by Francis Horton of the Hell of a Way to Die podcast. So thank you for that. Um, also, rate and review us on iTunes. We're actually creeping up there in the ratings. And we are the most highly ranked in Ireland. So thank you to all of our Irish <laughs> listeners. I'm assuming that's just Dermot kicking open people's doors and forcing them to download our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so until next week. Thank you, guys.